Hey there, romance nerds. Welcome back to yet another episode of Raging Romantics, a very special episode, if I may say so myself, because today we get to interview the amazing breakout romance star, Jillian Graves, Woo! monster romance author extraordinaire. Hey there, romance nerds. I'm Jen. And I'm Jackie. We're two librarians from Nopal in upstate New York, and you're listening to Raging Romantics. In this podcast, we like to think a little too deeply about romance books. If you're into theory, history, and raging about romance landia, then you should stick around. Please be advised that some of the things we talk about may not be suitable for younger listeners. Content warnings for episodes are available in the show notes. Jen, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Let's, Let's rage! rage! Hello, Jillian. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're so excited. Yeah, we're so <laughs> happy you. we were able to sit down and find a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so could you please go ahead and introduce yourself and your work to our lovely listeners? Sure. Uh, my name is Jillian Graves. I am a monster and paranormal romance author. My debut novel, Titan, a Gargoyle, Daddy Dom Romance, came out this past June. Um, it feels like forever ago. So I'm trying to like, remember, um, comes out, uh, came out last past June. And then I have my first like Halloween novella blood moon coming out <gasps> October 18. That's a cool title. The cover is so oh gorgeous. I love that cover so much. Me too. <laughs> it's so good. We have a question about covers later, so we'll get into yes. it then. So we are covering monster romance this month on the podcast. So I'm just really curious for you. Why did you start with monster romance since this is your first novel? Um, so it, it's interesting to be like, it's my first novel because it's it's my first published novel. Oh, it's okay. not my first novel. Mm-hmm. So I've been writing since maybe 2016 um, and in which I decided one day where I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Let me look at the things that I've said I wanted to accomplish at one point and as a lifelong romance reader since like the age of 12 I've always wanted to write a romance novel so I was like you know what I don't know what to do so let me write a romance novel um but somehow in my brain I thought small town romance mm-hmm. why I don't know I started writing it um it had explosions it had poisonings it had <laughs> a, a car chase a dog yes. died um no. I wrote it <laughs> I wrote it. I went to um, RT Con, which I think was the Romantic Times Con. It was like the last one they ever had. And walking into a room full or many rooms in classes with much more established romance authors, I realized, oh, no, I made a mistake. <laughs> this is what I wrote is not actually a book. Um, and it is not the direction I should go. Mm. Um, and that turned me to paranormal because I was like, oh, actually, that is the majority of what I've read my entire life and what I really love. It's what I watch a lot of movies and TV shows of. It is the primary romances that I read are paranormal. Why I went to small town, I have no idea. It was bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that I went to Monster is... Um, some of us may remember that there was a monster anthology that was being put together last year. Uh, and in my romance uh, writing group, one of the writers came in and was like, Jillian, this is happening. I think it would be perfect for you. And instantly I was like, yep, I know exactly what I'm going to write. I know, I know absolutely it's going to be a gargoyle, um, which by the way, I recommend if you ever want like a fun party uh, game to play is to ask everyone like what monster that they would write. If they had to write a ro- monster romance, what would yeah. they write? Because everyone has 
a monster in mind mm-hmm. and they're like of course it's good like in my mind I was like everyone's gonna write gargoyles mm-hmm. everyone's gonna write gargoyles why wouldn't they because of course gargoyles but everyone in my group had different monsters because we all have a different monster that we think is the obvious monster and I find that's really interesting um some psychology for you right there. yeah <laughs> it really I mean I've spent a lot of time thinking I'm like why did I just jump to it like right away and there's a whole lot of reasons mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll get into it uh, as, we, as we go further into Titan and other mm-hmm. uh, other stuff that I write but uh yeah I, I I wrote it that obviously didn't pan out into anything that kind of crashed and burned but I realized that it brought me so much joy to write monster romance because it was this like complete focus on like the id right like on Mm. everything that I love all in one place and because you're dealing with monsters and you're not dealing with you know regular humans you aren't stuck or at least I'm not I don't feel stuck with normal human standards or expectations that's what I mean yeah you can have things Mm -hmm. emotions be a lot more intense you can have people do more extreme things you can that you would not or at least I wouldn't allow for a human hero to do mm-hmm. but I am okay with the monster doing because mm-hmm. uh, he's a monster he he has different rules that he works by um and I also through this whole process realized that my one like favorite sort of general trope is when one character um, is very experienced in something and one character is not mm. and therefore they have to teach the other person like what to do and there has to be a lot of communication and checking in and caretaking um, and every time it, between a monster and a human like they're learning about each other's bodies mm. or they're, mm. they're learning about how something works and there has to be that extra care and attention in it mm. and so That's really writing like uh that first novella that didn't go anywhere um was this like big eye-opening experience where I was like oh my god monster romance lets me write everything that I love Mm -hmm. um in one place that's a good point too and it's something that's I feel like it's still very fresh in the romance (laughs) world because Mm -hmm. of course we've always had like I guess you can go with the older man younger woman trope is another Mm -hmm. like kind of tried and true method Mm -hmm. of this like teaching somebody but with monsters it feels fresh it feels like it's something that is very modern too because there's so much consent talk I think that Mm -hmm. goes into Mm -hmm. monster romances I just finished um Dusk Walkers by Opal Rain have you read that one yet I haven't okay it's um it's a dark romance I will Mm -hmm. put it that way and it is very much so a monster romance like yeah hero is a monster and Mm -hmm. there was very much so that like learning how to like be with one another learning how Mm -hmm. to like um just kind of I guess do things for lack of other words that I think it's something that you don't necessarily see too much in other romances no I I think alien romances are really good with that like ice planet barbarians yeah you know what I mean they they always have that moment of Mm -hmm. like learning each other's bodies Mm -hmm. and figuring it how it works together Um, yes exactly (laughs) Uh, which by the way I spent like all last night describing to my boyfriend I don't know <laughs> I, I just made a TikTok about uh, the Omegaverse and mm-hmm. um, he he was like he looked at it and he's like can you explain to me what this means so I had to explain that and then it went into Ice Planet Barbarians and a whole mm-hmm. thing um, but 
yeah, like I, I love if someone, because there's no assumptions made, you, you can't make the assumptions in the same way that you, there's a lot of assumptions made between two humans yeah. Yeah. of like what each other's role is going to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love that. So to kind of jump train a little bit mm-hmm. um, and to jump off script a little bit too. Oh, okay. um, so you mentioned that you started reading romance when you were 12. Jen and mm-hmm. I also started reading romance when we were very young. Too probably young, probably. Younger than we you should know, have probably, been. Whatever, I'm fine. Um, what was yeah. one of your first romance books that you remember reading? Ooh, um, I read a lot of like uh, category romance mm-hmm. because I would go to the library and you could get a bag of um category romances that were just in a brown paper bag and they would be like sports romances or you know romantic suspense or something and you get them for a dollar and then I'd read it in a week and then I'd go back and get another one um so uh I read a lot of those and those just kind of uh, blended together very much enjoyed them they kind of blended together I would say Judith does not was like Mm -hmm. the one that stuck with me Mm um as well as like Beatrice Small too so it was it was full-on bodice ripper yes. um historicals so yeah mine was Sandra Brown and Nora Roberts oh, nice. oh, oh yeah. Sherlyn Kenya and Jen was Sherlyn well, yeah. Kenya yeah. yeah. mm, sixth grade yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine yeah. it's paranormal totally right off the bat yeah so, there was fine. something special about paranormal yeah at the time yeah, yeah. So thinking back to um, you getting started in 2016, technically, mm-hmm. I saw on your website you had won an award with Death Cat at RWA. Mm-hmm. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that? Because I'm really curious, like, what happened to that project? How you even won an award for something that never got published? Like, yeah. I was really interested <laughs> in that. that yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I said, I wrote that small town romance, realized what the hell was I doing? Mm-hmm. That is not at all how my mind works. I was trying to make it into something else, but it wasn't. So, um, that was a death cat, which hopefully at some point I'll have come out. It'll be rewritten and stuff, but, um, is, uh, it was my first foray into paranormal. So it had a, um, cat who can sense death and the heroine who can communicate with him. Um, and, uh, a it, it went through a lot of evolutions but um the the hero is the shifter as well um and I wrote it in, in this very sort of neo-noir um vein where I was pulling from um sort of a hard-boiled detective like language and um like pacing and things like that uh and so how it won a ward was so first of all, that's the first book that I felt like I handled in the way that I handle writing now, which is I have writers groups and I was taking classes and um, I was really working through it, not just writing one fast draft and being like, here we go. Um, but uh, yeah, that one, there is the RWA at the time, I don't know now because obviously there's been a lot of shifts there. <laughs> so I don't know at the time. Um, there are several different uh, subgenre specific groups um, that would do awards for published and unpublished works. So this was for the romantic suspense um, uh, group within RWA. And you give them a section of your book and they have a whole rating system and it goes through multiple levels 
of um, judging and um, point systems and all that. So that's that's how Death Cat uh, won an award for um, uh, romantic suspense and how it has not come out yet. And it didn't come out because I was really at the time I really really wanted to be traditionally published because I don't have a writing background. I come I have a design background. And um, I have a lot of imposter syndrome about my writing abilities. So I really, really wanted a traditional publisher, an agent to be mm-hmm. like, you are good enough. We can put this out. Um, but as I was doing this, I was getting requests for full. But then I had a whole lot of responses that were like, we don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the, um, uh, the market and what was being published at the time. And I thought, yeah, what would they do with this sort of odd paranormal kind of light it wasn't a full paranormal world at the time um it's it's sort of the the tone being this like neo-noir hard-boiled detective it like just it didn't have a place um and I realized I stopped uh querying it because I was like I don't think there's a space for this Mm. um and that's really at the point where my mind sort of shifted to like well, actually, at that point, my mind shifted to if I really want to be traditionally published, I needed to write a book that would be possible to be traditionally published, which is why I have a contemporary romance that is also a sort of um, uh, you take on You Got Mail with a true crime podcaster and a true crime um, uh, producer mm-hmm. uh, book that I started mm-hmm. uh, with the, with the idea of this would be something that could be traditionally published, but still in the vein of stuff that I enjoy writing. Um, And then the anthology came along and that was, what was it? Uh, Mid 2021 is when the anthology was being put together Mm -hmm. and that shifted everything for me. Um, So if you would have asked me like two years ago, would I be writing monster romance? I would say, oh, I mean, maybe at some point, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, but it wasn't intentional. It just kind of, that's where the path took me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you shifted away from that traditional publishing. Was there an aha moment when you're like, I'm going to publish my own work. I'm going to be an indie author. Yeah. Um. So after writing that novella that didn't end up happening, um, I realized how much joy that brought me. And I realized I, you know, we'd all been going through multiple years of the pandemic and a lot of stress around that and a lot of anxiety. And I thought for me anyways, and um, I was like, you know, if I want to make a career out of something, and especially if the genre that I like writing in, which is paranormal, doesn't have a foothold in traditional, that's likely to never happen. So why don't I just write what I really, really enjoy and just put it out there? Because I kept coming up with reasons to not publish I kept being like, okay, well, the the small town romance, I shouldn't write that. That's not my genre. Okay, so let me go to paranormal. Oh, I write a whole paranormal thing. It goes through multiple revisions. Actually, no one's going to want that. Well, and then I started working on novellas. I was like, well, I'm going to work on novellas to just work on my craft. But that people don't traditionally publish novellas. Okay, so then I need to work on a book that will be traditionally published actually that is really really stressful for me I I very much like that book and I hope to finish it one day but it is so much harder Mm -hmm. and it brings so much less joy than writing monster romance 
then I did that novella and I was like you know what this is something that I could see doing every day and putting out into the world I just need to do it I need to stop thinking of excuses of of stopping myself you know um so so that was it I mean it was really that it's just been a long enough journey that I was like you know what I've kind of explored every angle you just if I'm gonna do it I gotta do it yeah that was really it yeah Yeah. well obviously whatever you're doing is working because you've been really (laughs) successful the book is like blown up I think I was number one on the charts for three weeks right? If I read that right, yeah. if I got it right. Yeah, it was a little while, yeah. Yeah. So awesome. I mean, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> so we saw that you're really active on TikTok and social media mm-hmm. and you like obviously are very connected to your fans and your readers and uh, viewers. How, do you think that has been useful to you as an author? I think it's been extremely useful. I think mm-hmm. there's literally no way that Titan would have gotten the readers it did if I wasn't active on TikTok. Um, one, because I think it's just the only sort of social media platform that really uh celebrate I mean I I don't want to say the other you know other um social media platforms don't also have readers who love and celebrate paranormal and monster romances but it really is primarily I feel like on TikTok where they they go all in on it Mm -hmm. and they really appreciate the bonkers the crazy Mm -hmm. the the bizarre elements and um that that's just like a really wonderful place to be um so and, and there's a lot of immediate connection uh whereas because you know it just kind of goes through I don't know how the algorithm works and it always seems to change but it seems to be where I can get immediate interactions with people and people asking me questions that I can respond to pretty easily um and not feel like uh you know on on Instagram or something where you're you're posting a lot that feels like maybe you're bothering people if you post mm-hmm. them on TikTok there's like no such thing yeah um <laughs> I mean not. In, yeah <laughs> there really isn't and in all honesty I think I post a lot less than I could but that's just based on having to work with my own regular work schedule um to to make it happen uh but yeah I, I think there's no there's no success with Titan if it wasn't for TikTok mm-hmm. and if it wasn't for the readers who found it there and who like celebrated it there so I, I'm really really appreciative of it yeah I feel too like it, from my viewpoint as somebody who stumbled on you because of TikTok last year before Titan even came out mm-hmm. I feel like you have done everything the way it should be done too I feel like you've had the success that a lot of authors are looking for you've really kind of you've gone after it in a way that's really admirable especially when it comes to um, how you market to readers and how you speak to your readers and how you like maybe the algorithm helps you go after an audience but how you seem to have found your audience has there been anything specific like any resources or anything like that that have helped you kind of pursue that marketing angle um well thank you so much I really appreciate that um uh I don't know if I have any particular resources I will say that I found I have asked other authors like I have cold messaged authors to ask them questions all all the time and in general especially within the monster romance world they have been incredibly kind and incre- I mean first of all everyone has been incredibly kind but I've just found it especially so within monster romance incredibly kind incredibly supportive and helpful and encouraging um so that's always been really great of asking questions for um 
you know, not just for marketing, but for like basic self-publishing questions, because it is really confusing out there to know what to do. So, um, you know, sometimes I would just message people to be like, I think this is correct. Is this, can you confirm? Um, and, and so that has been really helpful. Uh, I think my mindset with marketing has to, has been always to view it how what do I like as a reader Mm -hmm. um because one thing that I noticed with authors and and actually this might be in my my ranting part my raging part but um is that uh I think authors feel very timid and I understand it about sharing their own work they don't want to annoy people they don't want to bother them they don't want to be too pushy but I know myself as a reader if you only tell me about your book once, I've forgotten about it. Mm. If you don't, if you are sort of apologizing for your book and you're like, oh, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't engage me in it. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see your enthusiasm. I want to see you talk about it a lot and share what you love. And so I looked at a lot of, um, a lot of authors and what they were doing and what I thought worked for them um, and what in, like what engaged me as a reader um, and I just tried to replicate it in my own way because, you know, like different, different subgenres work, you know, have different tactics that, that work for them. Um, so it may not work for monster romance, but if I saw the way that they engaged with their readers and it worked for me as a reader, I thought, well, I should do that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, make it my own kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's really it. I also uh, sort of don't, I, this sounds weird, but I don't view it as myself when I'm making TikToks because it's really if I think too much about it then then I start getting uncomfortable and self-conscious so when when I'm making a TikTok I'm just like you know what what do I want to see as a reader and I try to put it out there um but yeah it's a lot of trial and error too it definitely is thank you that was I think something I needed to hear today so um so I did not discover you through TikTok uh your books came up for me because Amazon like put on one of my recommended books or whatever and the cover was like instantly eye-catching it is a gorgeous beautiful cartoon cover it's like it's purple it's amazing and there's a tail (laughs) so I was really wondering like who designed the cover what kind of input do you have could you talk a little bit on that because like the cover is just as eye-catching as the plot I I am obsessed with the cover and literally I have and the cover for Blood Moon and I already have the color uh, cover illustrated for Rook (sighs) which I am Oh my God, I'm dying over. Um, so the illustrator for all three of those is Skelly Frankie. Um, yes. She is on Instagram. And if you want to see her NSFW stuff, then definitely follow her on Twitter. She is an amazing artist. Um, and there were several artists who I was talking to at the time. And the big thing for me, um, because I look, I love, so the, the cover was always important to me just because I come from a design background. I like good art it was Mm -hmm. really important I understood that you don't necessarily need to you know you could do a a cheaper cover you could do something that's less um, involved if you wanted to and and still market a great book Um, but it just was really personally important to me and in the same way that like writing monster romance is is about the joy that it gives me having a beautiful cover brings me so much joy that like I knew that I was going to spend some time on that um, so the reason I chose Skelly Frankie is she does a really, really beautiful job drawing a connection between the characters. Mm-hmm. 
um, that I think is like something that clinch covers get perfectly too. Like you would all, there's always eye contact. There's always physical touching. They feel very involved and you get a sense of the connection between the, the main characters, um, with the way they draw. And I think she does an amazing job with that. Um, and I could, I, I will say I am a person who is, um, a little nitpicky and I have to like, <laughs> hold myself back. Now, the great thing is with Scully Frankie is I can just like message her a bunch of stuff and I'll give like some reference images and, and she gets it. So I don't have to be, but it is very hard for me to not be, um, uh, very anal about stuff because I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, but she gets it, you know, and I'm like, you know, uh, claw through the hair because I want to get a sense of like his possessiveness Mm. and the tail around the neck, because we're going to have some, we're going to have some breath play. And, um, you know, I, I give heights because all of my heroines in, um, the romance of his stone series are like, are tall. So I was like, okay, so she's five, nine. He is, uh, what did I have him at? Was he seven and a half feet tall? Yes. He was, very he was tall. like seven four, mm-hmm. seven five, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. I have like all their heights in my head. So it's like, okay, so we have to have this proportion. Um, and you know, he needs to make sure that he has like eye contact with her mm-hmm. and that's happening at the time. Um, but but she just knocks it out of the park and um and then Daybed Books is the one who did the actual, I, I'm looking up here because that's, I have a picture of the cover of there. Um, <laughs> did the actual design of the cover for for that one. And she'll be doing the rest for the Romancing His Stone series. I, I did it for Blood Moon. I did the um, design for that one, but yeah. And when you just say design, do you mean, so Skelly Frankie did the artwork and then the mm-hmm. design, you did like title layout and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Okay, oh, cool. Like typography and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Like as soon as she said too that it, it's kind of like reminds you of a cinch cover. Yeah, it's like a modern yeah, take on a cool cinch. Moment. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really cool, especially the eye contact and like and the tail oh. as usual. Like is the yeah, hands what are we're doing the usual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which that's is having really a big moment on TikTok right now. A lot of people are looking at like old videos where the guy like slides his hand around the Ooh. woman's waist. Oh, okay, that's having a moment. So okay. you know, okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so. For something else about your books that I personally really liked was the content warnings and how you displayed content warnings. Um, there's been a really good sized discussion going on recently, especially in the indie community, on the inclusion of content warnings in books, both in consideration of the reader and things that might be triggering to them, as well as um, like as a marketing, I hate to use the word ploy, but like as a marketing like pull. tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about content warnings and your inclusion and thoughts around them? Sure. Um, my, my thought is I I don't see any negative to it. I don't, I don't understand authors who seem really put out by it at all. Um, I think it does nothing but help you and your readers. Um, uh, you know, there, there is a little bit of having to, uh, be strategic about how you write things. And, uh, you know, there's, there's only so much that I put in the physical book because I was worried about um, Amazon and other places mm-hmm. taking it down. And then I, so I had to give a brief overview and then say, if you want more detailed stuff, then, then go to my website. Um, but I think it, it does nothing but, but help readers make educated decisions um, and help people find what they're looking for, including yeah. those, those things that, you know, maybe someone else doesn't like, but you are obsessed with. Mm -hmm. There are absolutely books that if I were to just look at the title, 
and maybe even the back cover copy, I wouldn't necessarily think that it's for me, but I would look at their description, like, and I almost can, I tend to call them content warnings or content description, mm-hmm. um, because I think it, uh, for me, I like that because it allows me to do a bright, uh, like a broader, um, uh, description, mm-hmm. um, because one, some things might be triggers for people and I don't necessarily always know what might be a trigger for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, some things are also just good for people to have some like knowledge about going into if it's important to them and then sometimes it just helps people find exactly what they're looking yeah. for like that is what they want so if I can kind of stick that all in one place so people can sort of judge mm-hmm. for themselves uh, I, I don't yeah I don't see anything wrong with it I I will say that there's there's nothing that will make me drop a book sooner than a um, sort of passive aggressive content warning trigger warning Mm -hmm. uh nothing tells me that you do not respect your reader than Mm -hmm. some sort of like can you handle this dark and twisty book if you can't then you know fuck off kind of thing yeah yeah exactly (laughs) jen and i like to constantly rag on a book called the flame and the flower which was like the og bodice um and jen it needs content warnings (laughs) um jen book is a content warning the book is a content warning jen threw that book about six times across like three yeah but it was it felt like six spiritually and i think that it's so i personally love how the romance industry how romance books have evolved past you know that classic bodice ripper for the most part and they're slowly mm-hmm. kind of emerging into this space that we see with monster romances that we see with indie romances and it's starting to appear in a lot of traditional books too is this consideration of the reader mm-hmm. even though the author is like this might not be like you said this might not be a trigger mm-hmm. for me it might be a trigger for you but here's mm-hmm. what's in the book um totally chill if you don't yeah. like it i understand yeah. Also, sometimes, so I, I don't necessarily have any triggers, but I do have um, topics like illness, right? Mm-hmm. That that I am not always going to be in the mental place to handle. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean I'm going to DNF, never read that book. It just means I'm going to save that for a time mm-hmm. that I'm mentally in a place to handle it and actually enjoy it. Yeah. And to me, that's how, like, I want people to be in their best place to enjoy my book so if you read the trigger warnings and you're like you know what I don't mind this but right now mentally like I am not in the place for it I would I would love for you to just like hang on do it in the future don't need to do it right now like that's fine um because I don't know there's enough books out there that you know romance readers are voracious they'll come back to it it's it's not gonna prevent you (laughs) yeah it's not gonna prevent (laughs) any readers from reading it um so yeah I I I, I'm always curious about the content warning discussion because I don't actually find it to be yeah. that big a deal to do it. It just seems like mm-hmm. win-win all around. And I feel like you take, took it a step further by having kind of like tropes on your website too. I love that. That was really cool. Like I liked uh, that a lot when I was going through your website <laughs> and it was like, here's the warnings, here's what you have to look out for, but also like, here's what here's you have to look tropes. forward to yeah. kind of. Like, uh, I've never uh, seen another author do that. Oh, uh, 100% Katie Robert. I yeah. saw it on her oh, website okay. well, and sorry, I loved Katie. it. <laughs> We're still so, trying to get her on the podcast. Katie, if you're listening. <laughs> I, I love Katie Robert. And, um, you know, in talking about earlier, we were talking about like who 
like what helped me figure out how to market is I looked at the authors who I loved, one of whom is Katie Roberts. And I said, Mm -hmm. what does she do that I love as a reader and how can I apply it to myself? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously not, you know, taking anything from her, but the idea of like, Mm -hmm. she put tropes on her website. And I think, I think on her website, you can search by trope. I do not, I made my own website. I don't have the skill to figure (laughs) out how to do that. But, but I thought, oh, that's great. Cause I, I love going by a certain trope, you know, sometimes yeah. I'm in the mood for something and I want to, you know, be able to easily find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's a good, that's good. Um, so to even, we're going to jump train again. Um, so yeah. earlier you were talking about how that traditionally published book that you are currently, mm-hmm. it's a the work in progress on your hard drive. Mm-hmm. And then Death Cat too is this kind of like neo-noir romantic suspense, like old Hollywood feel. And that definitely mm-hmm. translates into Titan. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any specific inspiration for that? Um, for, for the, for Titan or for the neo-noir element? Neo-noir just in general. Oh, is okay. that like one of your favorite tropes settings to use? I, I really loved like stylized imagery um so so I think that's something that's always appealed to me um and I live in LA so this sort of uh because that sort of noir feel always feels very Hollywood to me um and so so I I, so I think that's definitely an inspiration I I was born and, and raised in Orange County so LA never felt all that romantic or exciting to me (laughs) Um, and now that I live and work here, uh, and I'm writing, you know, a whole world that takes place here, um, I needed to, I, I started viewing the city in a much more romantic way. Mm-hmm. And, and that was in a very sort of noir, like LA at night, you know, um, there's the sort of glittering Hollywood elements, but then there's also like what's happening in back mm-hmm. alleys and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you can have the really like height of glamor, but then also dark deeds going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, um, mystery and suspense are always elements that I love in my romance. Um, and that's all, and I think kind of key in paranormal in general, like that's, that's sort of something that's always there. Um, so, so it was kind of just a natural, mm-hmm. uh, I think, progression for me to like, I don't know, go from Death Cat, which was very focused on that, and then have it translate a little lighter to to Titan. Okay. Speaking of making it lighter, I did see again because I was just like obsessed with your website. Segway. I went all over the website. <laughs> I hate to keep referring to it, but like, she loves TikTok. I love websites. When you, I noticed you said somewhere that you have kind of dark elements but mm-hmm. you don't consider your work like a dark romance mm-hmm. so I think that's like a fine line to tread sometimes with monster romance how do you end up skirting that so you do kind of keep like a lightness about it even as you are dealing with like financial abuse and titan and like Lies. some like yeah some rougher play and some yeah obviously like mm-hmm. the gargoyle could like smush her to like a peach like <laughs> yeah. you know there, there's a universe where this could be a dark romance but oh, yours instead is like super charming and beautiful and cool thank you um so first of all it's been really interesting to and I do mean interesting in like a really curious way of seeing people's uh interpretation of Titan because I've had people say this is a dark monster romance and I've had other people say it's a cozy monster romance and I've been like (laughs) I I I don't think it's either (laughs) no (laughs) 
I I love that. So Jen and I read a lot of dark romance. Jen's more so than I. So she's like, this is not super dark. It's kind of dark ass. But yeah. then both of us have read enough dark that I've also read cozy, and yeah. it's not a cozy. It's just the, so the readers were like, "This is cozy." I'm like, "What are you reading? <laughs> what What is your amazing? Book like, I want to know." <laughs> I do too. Because I was very confused, but I, I'm just like, you know what? We all have different experiences. Mm-hmm. Maybe for you, it Fair is. enough. So yeah. That's fine. Because um, I mean, I, we've I definitely I, disagreed on dark stuff. Yeah. But like to me, this does not feel that dark because there's like no forcing in the well, book at all, really. That is my definition of where mm-hmm. it changes. So to me, Hain has dark elements because the darkness happens outside of the couple, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like things are happening. So she has obviously her relationship with her mother and her manager is dark uh his dealing with the uh, uh other others, gargo- others yeah. um <laughs> is dark and what happens to them from outside forces is dark but between them their relationship isn't yeah. dark mm-hmm. so that's to me is the difference between like a dark romance is like the hero is kidnapping the heroine and there's yeah. darkness between them um, there's some sort of, uh, you know, they're rival mob bosses. And so there's there's maybe violence happening and, and aggression happening between them. So in Titan, I feel like it's not because everything's coming from outside stuff. And even their rougher play is all very consensual and very clearly consensual and um, sort of, you know, we know that no one is trying to hurt anyone yes. between them They're, they very much want to make sure everyone's having a good time yeah. that's a good way of putting it because we did a dark episode and jen mm-hmm. made me read a lot of mafia romance that i had not read <laughs> yeah and i was so shocked so the one um ann mayburn the the, her- the hero's like drug the heroines and you're like this isn't dark and i'm like this is so dark there's a lot but of kidnapping and like modification a on of... a cellular uh, like a genetic level yeah. oh I've yeah i also read a lot of motorcycle club books oh yeah, yeah. and those are like yeah, my bread and butter dark yeah. so i don't know it is just interesting like you said mm-hmm. earlier of what a reader is coming from and like what they read in the past that they consider dark yeah and then they come into this monster sphere as a lot of us are starting to do now yeah. we're like is this dark? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but I could say, I guess, like, if I was going to give any part the darkness would probably be the violence. But, like, the violence happens to very deserving people. So, like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, who yeah. cares? Good. Go get more violence. <laughs> and on that note, Jen and I have actually noticed that a lot of these monster romances tend to stick to, quote, good monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're monstrous in form. You know, they're gargoyles. They may have mm-hmm. stone skin. Um, and maybe there's this, like, bad backstory they've done things in the past Mm -hmm. but they're not quote actually bad guys what's your take on that um I I think you know it it has to do a little bit with um I think we're in kind of like a a dark time yeah um and there's a lot of darkness around us so I think there's something really appealing about a character who you can immediately see their monstrous elements and then they end up being okay. much like sweeter than that and much you know like you yeah. it's all there on the forefront right yeah. like maybe it's the heroine knows monsters exist and so she has her own um prejudices or own uh thoughts about what that might mean and then he inevitably ends up or she inevitably ends up being much uh sweeter than that and we start seeing their tenderness and much mm-hmm. more than that 
And I think there's something really appealing about that right now when, when everything is sort of very outwardly dark as well. So yeah, there's um, someone who posted on, on Twitter about missing the, the very sort of bad monster. Um, and, and there was, that has its own appeal. And I, I agree with that. Like I have an interest in writing both the good monster and the bad monster. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially what I have planned is good monster for a little bit. And then I've got some bad monsters planned for the future. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I think they sort of do two different things, right? Like the, the good monster, we get to see the monstrous elements and see them get become good or we see see those elements that we weren't expecting there and and there's a lot of comfort in that and I think the bad monster has the same appeal as dark romance yeah. of darker our darker desires and our darker um I don't know our darker thoughts and and kind of having a happily ever after with that I, I find that to be like a really interesting exploration yeah plus I mean we were all raised watching Beauty and the Beast no. yeah so <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with it at least for Absolutely. our generation yeah I feel, I feel like too we're really interested in kind of humanizing and looking for the nuance in people mm-hmm. like before Frankenstein you know just like a crazy monster whatever the the ugly vampire just like a mon- like mm-hmm. monster blood sucking yada yada now we're kind of like well what like what else is in the gargoyle yeah you yeah know? what's behind the The, yeah well and i don't uh know if you guys are big buffy watchers but i was huge into buffy but i almost think of it as an angel versus spike situation um which my uh, when i first started watching buffy i was very into angel and now when i do rewatches i'm very into spike um and and those appeal to like two different parts of myself Um, and so it's, it's nice. I hope we can always, both will always be available. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something we're starting to really see too, as monster romance spreads its wings. (laughs) It was my turn for a pun, Jen. Um, I I think that we're starting to see a really nice spectrum of these Mm -hmm. monsters from, you know, the good, like soft monsters, if you will. Mm -hmm. I almost envision like the Lily and Lark type monsters Mm -hmm. all the way up to these dark ones, like Opal Rain or like these um, dark reverse harems that we're starting to get now or that Mm -hmm. we have been having really. Um, And as we see with all romance, there's a little bit of something for everybody, I think. Yeah. Which I really liked. Yeah. Um, but moving on to Romance Landia at large, why do you think monster boyfriends and girlfriends and partners are having such a big moment right now? Um, well, we talked a little bit about it. If I've, yeah. I think that we're in a dark time and yeah. so that that's sort of appealing to be able to explore that in romance. Um, I think monsters allow for you to play with extremes in the mm. way that you can't with humans without there being a lot more... Uh, issues like yeah, I, I I'm, I'm much more accepting of what terrible things a monster might do than I am yeah. with a human yeah. man yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's very true <laughs> yeah uh, I, I also think that you know it's interesting I think about so I come from a um, costume design background and so I think about fashion a lot being cyclical mm-hmm. um, and I think reading is too and mm-hmm. I, I mean all trends are um, and for a very long time I was like paranormal is going to come back paranormal is going to come back I know it is it's just how is it going to come back and I think it's coming back as monster Mm -hmm. in the way that the same way that we're seeing a lot of early 2000s elements like things fashions come back we're seeing resurgence of I know 
<laughs> Such a bad choice, but okay. <laughs> uh, we're seeing like TV shows and movies be rebooted. Um, we're seeing vampires come back. That like mm-hmm. was a very early 2000s thing, um, which I'm very excited for Blood Moon <laughs> to come out at the same time. But uh, it's, uh, so, I, so I think there's sort of a trend. I think the last time it happened was a lot of uncertainty too and financial crisis going on at this time in early 2000s and so I wonder if there's I I mean I don't know this for sure I just sort of think about it a lot is if there's the more uncertain the world is Mm -hmm. if we start looking outside of our worlds for for our comfort for things that we enjoy um so I don't I wonder if that's why like paranormal and and in in this new way monster is like becoming more popular Mm -hmm. now that's a good point because jen and i our listeners are very sick of us talking about 9-11 and the impact that Mm -hmm. that had on romance sphere Mm -hmm. and the recession recession too because that was when we first saw like a big wave of paranormal i'm Mm -hmm. thinking like the og sherilyn kenyon kresley Mm -hmm. cole um karen marie monning all came out in like 2004 2005 with their big paranormal series Mm -hmm. Um, and then when the recession came through, we saw another like mini wave go through, but especially in the YA, we started seeing like the angels yeah. and demons and the vampires mm-hmm. and all that. And now, of course, like you said, we're going through another really dark time and it's, it's kind of interesting. I never thought of it that way before. I like that. It's food yeah. for thought for me. Cause I kind of like too, that either today is so much worse than back then, or it's just like, you know, we've lived through two. So now we need something even more intense yeah. and dramatic. So yeah. we do mm-hmm. monsters. I wonder too, after having gone through a pandemic that like changes people's bodies. Um, yeah. People are looking to, for something that's like inhuman, um, non-human can't be sick the way we can like have, yeah. can change forms in different yeah. ways. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see kind of what the thought is 10 years from now of why we went through this period and you know kind of the effects from it the the thoughts lots of stuff to think about sorry (laughs) I'm like going off in my brain I'm like what about interesting yeah yeah no I I think about it too Mm -hmm. um I I think that there's um I mean they're not like fully formed thoughts because Mm -hmm. they're just sort of like as you're thinking of it but um this sort of like are we just past humans like we're just Mm -hmm. like that that humans aren't going to give us what we want. We've already, we've gone through this pandemic where people didn't respect each other's, uh, you know, um, safety. We didn't, you know, whatever, like we're, we're looking for something beyond that of, of a different, whether it's an alien or a monster. And I, I very much consider aliens to be sort of in the same vein as monsters, mm-hmm. um, like that just have a whole different like culture, a whole different world that maybe that is, better like that Mm -hmm. you know it's it's we can just completely leave this world Mm -hmm. and go to something that that you know makes more sense yeah because sometimes a frozen ice planet just sounds like a real vacation (laughs) it sounds way better right now (laughs) get me away from here they have a lot of cozy furs that sounds really nice i love blankets yeah yes fire yeah no student loans oh my god please get away from my student (laughs) loans Do you ever, I always always think about like, what would I, like, if I was on not Hoth, Mm -hmm. what would be my skill that I would like bring to it? And I was like, okay, well I make stuff. So I'm like, I could like weave a basket. Mm -hmm. I could do that. Like, I think I don't want to hunt, but (laughs) I can crochet and I can ride horses, but sadly they don't really have horses. I know maybe I will be the first. You can domesticate the. Yeah. The, yeah. Tall, the big thing. I don't think I have me. any skills. I think I'd just die. 
No. I can't do it you anymore. Could, you could figure out baking for us. Jenny can yeah. baker, I try, so. but they don't like sugar. Well, yeah, but did. now you got humans to feed. That's true. It's we'll like say. when um, they discovered the shrimp that tastes like coffee. That yeah. would have been the best day in my book. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so total uh, spinoff, whatever. Mm-hmm. Big question. What is your take on Romance Landia as a whole right now? Ooh. Either in uh, Monster or, or General. Um, Monster is a really lovely place to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I found um, authors and readers to be incredibly supportive and encouraging. Um, I think overall, like, I don't, um, like, readers are so voracious that, like, there's, as, as much as I might have hints of jealousy or wish I could, you know, do something that I can't do or whatever, um, you know, readers will get to it like there's no sense of being like well someone else put this out so I feel bad about what I put out because they'll read it all and um so I think that's something that I remind myself of to to feel really positive about that like readers are so um active and you know caring and they want to read as much as possible that there's that competition doesn't exist in the way that Mm. I think we think of it and in other genres or other you mm. know yeah. other um spaces um I don't know if I have I mean oof. I was thinking about it when I saw the question I was like this is a big question yeah. um, <laughs> um I feel like there's always uh I have a slight frustration when um because some things are absolutely book drama and some things are actually like really good conversations that yeah. need to be had um, and I always hope that we could have those conversations, whether they're about like um, inclusion or they're about publishing aspects and we can have those or, or even different ways people choose to market that sometimes gets um, uh, treated differently, yeah. um, depending on the author, that that we can have those as discussions that are about improving romance landia as opposed to being treated as if it's just drama and you know something to to pass off Mm um yeah i mean for the most part i I feel like i've been very lucky in my um participation in romance landia and who i've interacted with that's all been really really positive um so i I don't know if i (laughs) have like a great uh, that's okay we just like asking people I always like to get authors' takes and readers' takes on mm-hmm. what they think because, you know, Romance Landia is such a diverse, broad sphere. And there's so many different people, so many different readers, so many different authors that everybody has a different take. Yeah. Um, and on that note, is there anything that you're hoping Romance Landia will dive into in regards to theme, content, tropes, discussions, et cetera, in the coming years? Um, I hope it just gets weirder. Yeah. Really, that's all I want. I yeah. love. I love like any time, um, like Vera Valentine, she's so amazing and and she's been really um, kind and helpful with me. Um, but anytime I see like uh, someone on social media post something vaguely weird and, but you could interpret romantically, I'm just like, she's going to write this. And <laughs> I like, I love that she's going to find a way to write a romance about this. And I just, I like people, um, kind of really going into whatever feeds them their creativity mm-hmm. what brings them joy because it's so different and weird and strange and I love it and you can really sense when like people are putting a lot of joy into what they're writing yeah. so um 
yeah I hope it just gets like weirder and I hope I hope monster romance expands so that we get all the different variety of monsters Mm. um and different like cozy dark mystery suspense like Mm. give me it all do you hope monster goes into mainstream traditional publishing or do you kind of want to keep it in like the safe little sphere of indie um I feel like that's like I have no idea what traditional publishing would do with it like that I have no idea um and you know that's in part because I have no experience with traditional publishing Mm -hmm. so um I don't know what they would do with it uh there's absolutely a part of me that's like it'd be nice to keep it protected and I feel like the more something becomes mainstream the less weirdness there is the more it'll be more watered down yeah Yeah. the more more smoothing it out um not to say that there could absolutely be space for both Mm -hmm. um I don't think I don't think uh traditional publishing doesn't get rid of what happens in indie publishing Mm -hmm. um I think it can exist as both yeah uh but I I genuinely would be very curious to see how they would approach it because I have no idea I mean they took Ruby Dixon's first three books and published I mean I don't know but they only did that when she got massive yeah so I don't know I don't know what they would do with a gargoyle but it's kind of interesting to try to see like Harlequin try to market yeah (laughs) their own line besides Ruby is Katie Robert with her god series and that's not even necessarily monsters Mm -hmm. it's more like mafia lights but i kind of like it like yeah. it feels like a nice little protected safe space because i don't yeah. like i don't trust the publishers to do yeah. it right well yeah it's... with their contemporaries <laughs> <laughs> well and it, it may be that it they start to because they do there are more paranormals popping yeah. up yeah. but they're popping up as like almost rom-com. contemporary rom-com mm-hmm. paranormals um so it's interesting that they're like okay we see that paranormal and monster is getting is is has a really good foothold in indie and self-publishing so we're going to do that but we're not going to stray too far from mm-hmm. what's already working for us yeah um so it, it almost feels like two different things it feels very yeah. separate but um i don't know you know there's readers for both of it yeah. so and maybe great. one day you'll get your chance to write like a monster small town romance yeah there you go. There you go. Uh, I could. I have no idea. Every time I think back on that book, I go, "What was I thinking?" <laughs> was it just to get into publishing? Was it just like because that people publish so much small town romance? Was it just to be traditional? Do you think? No. It was that I have always lived in big cities or like larger towns, and so okay. when I thought of like when I want an escapism from my day-to-day life, what do I pick up? And I go, you know what I love is like a snowed in small town <laughs> book. I love like a, you know, essentially like a, a spicier Hallmark movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I didn't think about the fact that part of the appeal that was, is that it's so separate from mm. even the way my brain works mm. that it's enjoyable to read, but it's almost impossible for me to write. Yeah, because I I was just like, how do I add an explosion? How do I? Add- <laughs> I would still read that though. I yeah. would love an explosion in a small town. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. I could see. I'd be like, oh my god, and I think I killed a dog in it. Like, what was I doing? <gasps> no, yeah. see, that's the- <laughs> exactly. Oh. Nicholas Sparks exactly. just stood up and went. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, did you have another? So here on Raging Romantics, 
we like to, you know, have a little rant and a rage every so often. You already had a little bit of one. Is there anything else that you would like to stand on the romance soapbox for, for a couple minutes? Um, so, well, other than I really want other authors to promote the hell out of themselves mm-hmm. and to not feel uncomfortable with that, which I understand the, the difficult this with that, because I feel it myself, but just know that as a reader, I don't know your book unless you tell it to me like 20 times. Mm-hmm. So you are not going to annoy me. I want to see your enthusiasm. It makes me really, really happy. So please, that that's my thing on TikTok is um, so many people I follow on TikTok. I don't even know our writers because they don't talk about their books. Um, and they only share other books, which is great to see what they love. But please tell me what you write and please tell me enough that I can remember it Mm. um, because I want to read your book even though I have far less time to read now that I write (laughs) which is very which is its own frustration and my own thing to rage about is that uh, becoming an author means that I can read a whole lot less because my free Mm. time is now spent with writing and um, yeah oh Uh, editing and website and newsletters and you know it's it's its own business as as an indie author that you are uh that no one prepares you for mm -hmm. is is how much not writing is involved (laughs) in in publishing um and uh oh what else um oh my other little I guess raging about but lightly is recently I've been seeing on Twitter people talking about, and I could be missed whatever the source of this was, but um, a lot of people getting down about other authors' successes. Oh, um, which I which I understand that because I feel that, and I I am a an author who has a full time job and can only write so much, and I'm not a fast writer, so I have a huge amount of um uh jealousy but also just uh, man I wish I could do this uh when I see other authors who can you know fast release like six seven books in a year and I'm like okay I'll have a book and a novella and then another book next year and we'll see how we do from there um I, I think it's I think it's worth talking about that like very natural jealousy and natural like um I don't know what would you call it like uh almost like FOMO but not quite yeah. FOMO yeah. yeah but 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 to also realize and I feel weird saying this because I'm such a new author so I'm not talking from a huge amount of experience only just from viewing from being a reader and viewing how publishing has worked in the authors who I followed for many many years is that there is a place for everyone Mm -hmm. and for every speed that you go with and I so often see people post I'm giving up because I haven't gotten uh, an agent in a year I'm giving up because I can't write fast enough and it makes me so sad because I'm like no one knows what's going to be next, like what next year will bring for you no one's going to no one knows what's going to be popular or hit well, you know, it's, I had no idea Titan was going to do as well as it did. I did not prepare for it at all. Um, it's fantastic that it did, but that was, I had no idea. Um, and so I just hope that people can like 
accept, I think jealousy is a natural part of it, um, but then also have that not stop them mm-hmm. from continuing what they're doing, um, yeah. especially as I want more weird stuff. So yes. please don't leave because <laughs> we can't have people leaving mm-hmm. if, if I want my weird stuff. Speaking of weird stuff, I mean, I know you obviously have this whole gargoyle series planned. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts or dreams or plans for any more monsters in your future? Yeah. Is there like a, do you want to really hit like a Kraken or like who, who else are you thinking? Uh, so, yes, I have um, a I believe it's going to be a Kraken. I'm still yes. officially deciding um, for a novella next mm-hmm. year. That's going to be part of an anthology. I also um, I literally like I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before I posted about how I read my first Omega verse and I was like obsessed mm-hmm. and I've had this. um sort of uh this story in my head for a very very long time like a three book erotic uh series that's sort of dark academia with a um with a pocket dimension and sex magic um mm. that would have I'll read many, it. <laughs> which would have many monsters and I just didn't know how cool. to make make it work and then mm. I read Omega verses and I was like oh my god this mm. is exactly what I needed to make this all make sense um so I have that I have uh, all the, so Blood Moon is um, the first novella that follows one of the witches in Hazel, who we meet in Titan. All of the witches um, have novellas planned, um, and those are with different um, shifters, a um, a satyr. Uh, we have a few other ones coming down in the future that I don't want to give away just yet. So those are all with different um, monsters and paranormal creatures. So uh, while my my heart lies with gargoyles and they are absolutely the first mm. monster that came into my head as I talked about monsters that I wanted to write, they're certainly not the the last. Oh, good. I mean, I do love the gargoyles. I am excited for more gargoyles, but I'm just but there's the, there's a whole world out there. There is. Yeah. yeah. There is. So excited. Um. What other monster romance books would you recommend? Like, what do I need to buy for the library collection? Okay. So um, I wrote some down. I like, you've got yeah. your pen ready. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I wrote them um, So first of all, as we just talked about, I am um, so sad that the more that I write, the less that I can read. So that's very disappointing. So I feel like all my recommendations are perhaps ones you've heard. But um, so I am literally obsessed with Sing Me to Sleep by RM, RM Virtues. Do you guys know that one? I haven't heard of it, but it looks it sounds okay. cool. So it is a sleep paralysis demon. Ooh. And um definitely check your content warnings for that because that has to do with um uh some uh CNC and you know, because she's immobilized and she has to, yeah. yeah. Um so and that connects to a larger world that has more demons involved um also exodus 23 by freyus moon which has a sort of biblical angel in it oh, cool. which are very sort of Ooh. monstrous um and then oh we were talking earlier about uh one of the authors in my writers group who writes historical but like golden age of hollywood ones and so she has a um monster romance novella coming out which i always feel like if you are tentative about monster romances, maybe start off with a novella. Yeah, yeah that works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has a really cute one that is called Sea Creatures Prefer Redheads by Ooh. Brienne Gillian, um, which is a 
sort of a makeup artist and the um, sort of creature from the Black Lagoon style monster who is an actor, but maybe is actually a monster. Um, and uh, another really fantastic one um, by the, uh, she's actually the one who designed my cover, like the typography for Titan. Um, her name is Daria Vernon and she wrote uh, Uncommonly Verdant, which if you, again, it's a novella, so it's short. Um, it's a like tree monster and there's lots of she she does really like beautiful like lush descriptions which works really well when you have a sort of tree monster who uses flowers in creative ways and are there any that. wood puns in it uh i'm trying to think uh i just I feel like it's a missed time. opportunity otherwise you were thinking it <laughs> maybe i was the only one thinking it of course because it's you and you're about the puns <laughs> i was just saying up on the flowers <laughs> well the flower because you blossom so that makes sense to me i feel like there is but it but it came out last year so i'm trying it's been a little while since i've read it well though i have to read it but so. it's well, I mean... so it's short okay okay <laughs> yeah so um yeah and then you know of course i i always think that those like this isn't monster this is more paranormal but i think very like always go back to Cresley Cole it always amazes me that people I was like oh yeah everyone knows Cresley Cole but then I find like on TikTok a lot of people don't know Cresley Cole and her immortals after dark so I was like Uh, mm -mm. gotta read that um and then you know uh Lillian Lark and Sam Nacosta I think for uh things that are a little on the sweeter Mm-hmm. cozier side yeah. um though i'm really excited to read run rabbit run which i think is her darker seem to cost his darker one so i haven't read that yet but i'm really excited for it that one yeah yeah it's exciting well i've got a lot of new books on my to be read list yeah. okay. oh boy speaking of of new monster readers do you have a good recommendation for like a brand new baby monster reader maybe like one of our listeners listening to you who's really curious now what's tentatively reaching yeah i mean obviously they should read titan first but you know if there's another like kind of uh, romance starter novel intro pack i feel like lillian lark's stalked by the Mm. kraken is a good starter one one. that's cute because it's you know he is a full-on monster because you get the tentacles and stuff but he isn't that all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it has a, a lot of their sort of like interaction between them just as a couple. So I think that's yeah. a good, that's a good starter. I like that one. Yeah. I think Katie Robert, her dragon one too. Dragon's oh, Bride? Yeah. yeah, that okay. one. That was a good, mm. good. Um, It was sweet and spicy at the same time. You know, like sweet, sweet and spicy chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, And it had fantasy world. Oh, cool. So all right. I think that's always good. Good to know. Yeah. Well, Jillian, thank you so much for taking your time and joining us today on the podcast. Thank um, you. So you have Titan, which obviously everybody should go read. I think we've said it like 50,000 <laughs> yeah. times. Go read it. You have Blood Moon coming out October 18th. Mm-hmm. It's um, a novella that features uh, Hazel, who if you've read Titan, you've met her there, but you do not need to read Titan to read Blood Moon. It is lighter in tone. So I would almost say if you want to read something of mine, but are a little nervous about um, monster romance, that might be a better place to start. It's a witch and a vampire, and the vampire um, can read her mind when he drinks her blood, um, which leads to some very creative, spicy times. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, 
and um as always i've got a healthy amount of kink in mm-hmm. there and um yeah and that is out october 18th all right awesome. and then what do you have coming down the pipeline you have rook i have rook which will be out next year um i also have a another gargoyle novella that is going to be in the monsters in love anthology at the beginning of next year okay. um then i have the hopefully the kraken novella which will be the end of next year and fingers crossed i will have steel's book out next year which is an mmf one um so we will get gargoyle on gargoyle action so yeah we can't wait to read those and where can people find you on social media um your newsletter anything like that so i am on twitter and instagram at dane with a pen um and then on tiktok at uh, Jillian Graves author. And you can always go to my website, JillianGraves.com and sign up for my newsletter. I like to do giveaways and find arc readers and uh, send out spicy uh, NSFW artwork there. Um, I always get, I already have like artwork in the works for Blood Moon that I will hopefully send out soon. Um, so yeah, uh, that's where you can find me. That's awesome. I will say it is definitely NSFW when she says NSFW. Do yes. not open your email when you're at the front desk at the library. It does not go well. <laughs> I will say. Okay. But. Well, thank you again so much for being here. We loved getting to talk to you for an hour, and we're going to be cheering you on with all your books, and I'm definitely going to be getting all of them. So I'm excited. Oh, thank Thanks you so, so much. much. Thank you. All right. Well, on that note, Jen, what do we always say? Rage on! Bye, guys. Bye.